Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. This is our Thanksgiving Day recap show, also our preview show uh, for the rest of the week 12 action. Uh, we'll take a look at some news, get you caught up on our locks. Um, there's a lot to get into, Gordo. We had one good game on Thanksgiving and two not so good ones, but the, uh, the Dallas-Vegas game, uh, certainly a good spectacle um, in many ways. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, any game, I think, that goes to overtime with scores in the mid-30s is going to be good. Uh, close games aren't necessarily a good marker of that, as we saw with the Lions-Bears game, but as long as it goes to overtime, I think there's at least some sort of entertainment there. Yeah, indeed, and of course, there was controversy in there. We'll get on to all of that. Um, three games, of course, uh, the Bears were at the Lions. Uh, they got a tight 16-14 to 14 win. The middle game, we're referencing overtime, 36-33, uh, to 33, the Raiders um, back from the dead to knock off the Cowboys, who suddenly three out of four um, they've dropped. And then uh, the game just concluded moments ago, the Bills comfortably over the Saints, 31-6. to six. The Saints now dropping four in a row, really looking lost uh, with Trevor Simeon behind centre. Uh, said we'd start with that game in Dallas, Gordo. Um, I mean, I think we thought the Raiders were an outside chance, but both of us took the Cowboys to rebound, as we mentioned. Um, they'd lost to the Chiefs before and then uh, the Broncos a couple of weeks earlier. Um, but the Raiders came out firing. They got a stop on defence. Uh, then you have a connection between uh, Carr and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, that goes for 56 yards, um, you know, the 34th touchdown of 50 yards or more. That's just behind Jerry Rice now uh, in terms of the all-time NFL records. And they never trailed in the game. That's the reality of it. Uh, Carr, 373 yards. They keep up this kind of st- statistic of never losing when he passes for more than 300 yards. Um uh, you know, I so said they were ahead most of the day. It was a really good kind of back and forth game. Each time one team threw a punch, the other team would respond. Uh, ultimately, Dallas do force overtime. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Daniel Carson, uh, Derek Carr does enough, Gordo. And, you know, we can't overstate how important of a win this is uh, for the Raiders in a crowded AFC West. Yeah, no, it's massive for the Raiders. You've got to think if they lose this, drop to five and six. Uh, based on how the rest of the division's looking, that probably would take them out of the race, at least for the title. But, yeah, this puts them right back into it. Um, a really impressive win, one that they needed a lot. But this is the best the offense has looked in what, a month or so, really, um, against a defense that's been – I mean, over the last month, they haven't been great. But up before that, they've been a pretty solid defense. Indeed. Um We'll get to Dallas later. Do you want to talk about officiating? So one play that, I mean, I'm not sure it's that contentious, uh, was the completion to Darren Waller. Well, was it a completion? He looked like he was taking that third step. So into the football move area, the ball's punched out. Um, A great play by the safety, Neil, um, to stay in bounds while flipping the ball back in. It's recovered by Dallas. Uh, That would have been a turnover in the end. There there were no turnovers. Um, In the end, we get the after further discussion call, i.e. New York, um, has, you know, communicated with um, Sean Hockley, the lead official, and said that it's incomplete. Rule it as that. Uh, but that was a play, Gordo, where I know Skip Bayless, who, you know, divides opinion, was very big on why didn't McCarthy challenge it. And I saw a lot of people, I think, including yourself, commenting that. But uh, I think it appeared, and I'm sure McCarthy would have been told in that situation, the reason it took so long to figure out is because we got official recommendation from New York. So you're, we're just saving you the bother of having to challenge and costing you a timeout. Yeah. No, 
it looked to me like it was a catch and a fumble. Um, but then again, I mean, with the current NFL rules, I don't think anyone Who knows? still yeah. after these years of controversy to what's a catch and what's not. I don't think anyone still is entirely sure. I mean, you meant to have, what, a football move. It looked mm. like he caught it, turned, took a couple steps. I thought it was a football move. I think mm. most people did. It's just, it, it seems so inconsistent from week to week. Yeah, the tricky part is the football move has to come after you have two feet down in bounds. So um, it, it doesn't matter if you turn up inside field. Is it, it's after those two uh, feet in bounds. But as you say, it's so sub, it's kind of very subjective and, and a bit of a ridiculous uh, rule. Penalties were a massive vocal point here. Um, coming in third uh, most penalising crew, Sean Hockley's. And we, we've been saying all year, and I think everyone agrees, Gordo, the less penalised game, the better. We like um, Carl Cheffers, Bill Vinovich, great examples of crews who don't throw a lot of flags. They let them play. They let them get the defensive back, get a little bit handsy. Uh, same thing down in the trenches. That was not the case today. 14 on Dallas for 110 yards. Four, excuse me, 166 yards. 14 on Vegas for 110. First time we've had 14 or more penalties on both sides since 2003. Um, and if you want to see a game where... I think it's the very definition of over-officiating. Gordo, you had uh, kind of ticky-tack fouls all over the place on offensive holding, um, on defensive holding at times, and on defensive pass interference. No bigger than that one on the third and 18 on the go-ahead game-winning drive. Um, you know, that's never going to please people, especially in front of a national audience when, you know, that it's so over-officious. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the pass interferences, you could argue that a lot of them, were there again. Um, but I think the one that I've got the most problem with uh, was the same crew that called it last week as well against the Packers, that where the centre moves his head and they call a mm. false start, that just, mm. I mean, you see them do it on almost every play, especially in shotgun, and they call it once in the entire game for moving your head too quickly or something like that. Mm. It, it just seems like they were so, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word, they were so over-officiating, I guess, but mm. they don't call it consistently. That's the problem. Like you'll see it called and then you'll see the exact same thing happen on the next play. It's like hold, holding happens on every play, but they only pick sometimes to call. Yeah. It's the same thing with some of those really ticky tacky uh, defensive soft size penalty. You will get players lining up a little bit in the neutral zone. Sometimes they'll be really officious on it. Sometimes they won't be. Um, and your point on, I mean, that one was against the uh, one you're referencing just outside two minutes, I believe. Vegas had it was on a three point lead or scores were tight. I think scores were tight at the time they were driving into field goal range. Um, and I think it was a it was a third and short coming up to two minute warning. And you know we see the flag and you think it's going to be a first down. And Tony Romo goes, well that'll be on the defense. It'll give the um, excuse me, it'll give them a chance to run out the clock more. Uh, then it goes against the offense. It lengthens that um, third down and they end up settling for that long field goal. Dallas had plenty of time to get in position to tie it up, and that was a costly one. We're not. You know, obviously, bias against Dallas, there were a lot of against them. As I said, no bigger than that last defensive pass interference. What I would say about the pass interference is, and I think you'd agree, that um, if you don't turn your head around, even if the ball hits you and it doesn't look like you're making a whole lot of amount of contact with the receiver, as soon as they see you not playing the ball at all and just kind of hoping that, you know, if you put your hands up, it'll hit your hands, they're going to call that. So they really have to be teaching um, defensive backs like that, you feel. They've got to turn around, you know, and make a play on the ball. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, when you've been, I think Anthony Brown got, what, four calls in mm. the one game? So when you've, you'd think after the third one, maybe you want to put yourself in a position where you're not going to get called for it again, especially in a situation like that. Third and 18, mm. you don't want to give up the big play. But yeah, unfortunately for him, he did. 
Yep. And this is the concern with Dallas, right, Gordo? I mean, when the defense was forcing turnovers, it was a good thing. Now they're not. They, you know, they have really, I think it was two or more turnovers every game for the first six or seven. They've struggled recently, been a bit barren in that department. Uh, and that's what costs them. No matter how many points the offense scores, if the defense is not causing turnovers, they're going to go up, up, up yards, 509 yards. Today. Yes, there was an overtime period, um, but you're not going to win many games, you know, giving up that sort of yardage. Yeah, no, definitely. I think realistically they've been doing that the whole year with that yardage. I think, uh, through the first few weeks, I think their defense, you know, as a whole, can be summed up by Trayvon Diggs early on getting those picks, but giving up a fair bit of yardage as well. But it didn't matter because he was getting the turnovers. But then these last couple of weeks, he's still been giving up the yardage, but the picks just haven't been coming. Quarterbacks are starting to throw where he can't get it. They've realized, okay, don't throw it directly to him. And the defense as a whole, really, outside of Micah Parsons, is regressing. Indeed. So Dallas 7 and 4. Play New Orleans. There's no football next week. That's a big game. Philadelphia five and six. I mean, you. I think we still think pretty much they'll win the division, but um, you know, it's not as if they're home and dry. I mean, they said on the telecast that point from Mike McCarthy. Once until you get to ten wins, don't even start thinking about playoffs. Philadelphia have an easy schedule. They play them in week eighteen. As I've said, I think it was last week on the show, the worst case scenario is that is the game for the division. Um, you know, but for Dallas. Uh, is it a mid-season slump, Gordo? Is that all to think about? Or, or have we um, altered our, I guess, Super Bowl aspirations for this team based on the past month? I, it's tough to say because they looked so good through those first, what, seven or eight weeks. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I mean, you look at their injuries. That's a big part of it. Uh, mm. Today, they were missing Cooper and Lamb on offense and Marcus mm. Lawrence and Randy Gregory on defense. Yep. So those probably two of their three best pass rushes and their top two receivers. So, I mean, if they get through this month and they're still leading the division by two games, I think they're still going to make an impact in playoffs, whether it's a Super Bowl team or not. I don't think right now they are. But, I mean, once they get those injuries back, once they get fully healthy again, who knows, they could bounce back. Yeah, I think Lawrence and, and, and Gregory, those defensive players are more key because what you saw with offense, even when you didn't have Lamb and Cooper there, Cedric Wilson went for 104 yards on seven catches, Michael Gallup 106 on five, Noah Brown st- uh, stood up six for 53, got Dalton Schultz, um, Pollard and Elliott out of the, the backfield. This offense is going to be fine. It's more a question of, of the defense. Um, I mentioned the Saints game, then they play Washington, the Giants, Washington, Arizona, which should be a good game. That's in Dallas. And then they finish with Philadelphia. So there's a lot of divisional games. You're never quite sure Washington are looking good. Um, but I think we'd still, at this point, be tipping Dallas um, to make uh, the playoffs and host a, wild, host a game in the first round um, as the winners of the NFC East. We'll be looking more at our playoff predictions in our season extravaganza episode next week. Uh, the Raiders, Gordo, they did what they needed to do. They get a win. It's, again, both conferences are so wide open. You'd think the Chiefs are probably, you know, the favourites for that division at the moment. You'd have to put them above the Broncos, I would suggest. It's it's them or the Chargers now, I guess, you know, in that wild card uh, race. They play Washington next week, who is another very hard team to judge. But if they get a win there, then they've got to play the Chiefs. Um, they got the Browns. Um, that's on a Saturday. Then the Broncos, the Colts, the Chargers. It's not the easiest one, Gordo. I think kind of best case, what are they, six and five now? Best case, I think, is probably nine and eight, ten and seven and scraping into the playoffs at this stage. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree that you'd have to think they need to win at least one of those Browns and Colts games. Mm, yeah. They're realistically the teams they're fighting. The Chargers as well are there. I think the Chargers are probably locked into one of the wildcard seeds, so they're I think mm. they're a tier above the rest, but You'd have to think uh, the 
the Raiders, the Browns, the Colts are probably the ones fighting for those last one or two spots. You could argue maybe Denver as well, but I'm still not convinced on them. Pittsburgh's probably yeah. gone, but yeah, you'd have to think there's one or two spots left for those three or four teams. As you've said, it's so hard this year knowing who to write off, but I'm pretty close to writing off Denver and Pittsburgh. We will learn a lot from this weekend. We will get onto those games shortly. Okay, not just one game for us to recap on our previous show. Three games, Gordo. We'll move earlier into the day. Ford Field, a lot of talk about over the last really almost decade now about Detroit. Should they, do they deserve a national game? They always get one. Um, the Bears came to town. They were trying to avoid their fifth straight loss on Thanksgiving. The Lions, the Bears are on a streak. Uh, and I think we got pretty much what we expected, Gordo. You talked about even if a game's close, that doesn't mean it's exciting. This was this was a snooze fest, I think. Um, I hope our Australian friends did not get up at 5 a.m. or 5.30 or 4.30, whenever it was, to watch this game um, because there wasn't much in it. Uh, I guess from a positive, Gordo, you can look at Andy Dalton. I wrote in my preview article that uh, it's come a time where Matt Nagy is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because... I mean, Fields is injured, but you can tell that ownership wants the reports that ownership were the ones who convinced him to start Fields in the first place. But if he wants to win games, there's no doubt that Andy Dalton is the quarterback he has to start. He 24 for 39, 317 yards, a touchdown and a pick in this game. They win 16-14 on a last second Kyra Santos, 28-yard field goal. Um, we'll get onto the shambles on defense from the Lions uh, shortly. They're four and seven, Gordo. Those playoff hopes are alive, but you'd have to think Dalton uh, is the way forward. I think so. Um, he he probably does give them a better chance to win, although I don't know how much you can judge from today based on the fact that they were playing the Lions' defence. That's the thing. Um, the Bears would have lost this game to probably every other team in the league, maybe outside of Houston. Um, it, the, the Lions just all over the place. They had what, one good drive on offence to start the game. Defence, I mean, they limited Chicago to 16 points, but I think that's what Chicago has been averaging. So I don't know how much you can take out of this game. It's an impressive stat line from Dalton for sure, but I think Fields could have had a similar one. Yeah, uh, and for the Bears, I think a bright spot, Daniel Mooney, five catches, 123 yards, perhaps taking over from Alan Robinson, that lead um, wide receiver role. Um, we know Robinson's on the franchise tag. Otherwise, Cole commit. Um, I guess a bright spot, Jimmy Graham bobbed up. His name bobs up every so often with a touchdown catch. Um, but yeah, I mean, your point, I think last week you said that in the, was it the Lions-Browns game, the Browns, that could be a candidate for the worst win ever. Well, I think this way game probably comes close to that because as you've said, they probably would have lost to uh, every other team in the league. The Lions, Gordo, um, we've got to talk about these last couple of minutes where essentially the Bears are trying to run the game, the clock out and kick the game-winning field goal. Um, I think it's third down, they call a timeout. You know, get their personnel I've got together. Down here, if you want to. Oh yeah, go on. I had to write this down because it's it's way too hard to remember. So, what is it? It's second and ten. There's two minutes and twenty seconds left on the clock. The ball's on Detroit's seventeen, and they got three timeouts. You think from there, okay, uh, stop them a couple times, call you two timeouts before the two minute warning, get the ball back with what two minutes and a timeout. Instead, they don't call a timeout after second down. Let it run down to the two-minute warning. Uh, third and nine, oh, they get the stop on second down. Uh, it gets to third and nine with a minute and 56 left. They call the timeout, so they've got two timeouts left. So they don't know what's going on. They call the timeout again, even though the play, the ball got snapped before the timeout really got through. Uh, they would have got the stop on third down, forcing a fourth down. But instead, they call the timeout, get penalised for calling back-to-back -back timeouts, which... Uh, we saw earlier in the year with who was it Minnesota 
wasn't it against Dallas? I can't believe teams don't know this rule. I mean, I mean, we're another other side of the world. And we know this rule, and you could see Dan Campbell's face confusion. You can't. It's it's yeah. a it's an unsportsmanlike conduct with a five yard penalty. Um. Anyway, it st- staggers me that someone like Campbell, who's been involved with the league for what twenty plus years, didn't know the rule. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So you get the five yard penalty, make it third and four. Now you got one timeout with a minute fifty six left. So the Bears get the first down, and they're able to just kneel out the game until they kick the field goal. It just and the worst part is when they came out on that third and four, um, when they've got to get a stop, the Lions' corners line up 10 or 15 yards off the receivers as well. Like, you'd think mm. in that situation, okay, you press up because they're going to throw short and just try and get the first and run the clock. But no, they're at 10, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, so you can just throw a short in or a slant and you get the first. Mm. Yeah. But- two timeouts. You've got all that time to prepare and you still call that sort of defense. It's just... Mm. Management. It's a damning picture that that screenshot. So what got me was you know the first time out, yeah, yeah, fine. You want to make the stop. Then they come back out of it. I think three a defensive backs lined up on the tight end. It was either Graham or Cole Komet. Um, you have Anzalone, who's the um the linebacker who's making the signals, jumping all, all you know up and down. No one knows what's going on. They call the other time out, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, beside himself. Obviously, as you said, they had the penalty, and then they come out, as you said, two timeouts, and they're lining up excuse me, 11 or 12 yards down the field, but they only need a four yard out for a first down. Um, ridiculous. Uh, you mentioned to me, what's the job security of Dan Campbell? I think that's fine. I'm, I'd be concerned about an assistant. I think Aaron Glenn, it was a tough job coming across from the Saints secondary coach there. We knew this was, I mean, I wrote in a preseason article, he's probably got the worst unit in the league, offense, defense, especially it's all combined. Um, and I think they're going to have to let some assistants go. Um uh, Dan Campbell, I think it's five years. is a massive contract, but um, uh, there's going to have to be some change, Gordo, you feel, unless they rebound and, and win four or five games down the stretch, which doesn't look likely. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like it. I mean, if if he goes 0-16-1, uh, even with the lack of talent they've got, you should be able to win at least one or two games hmm. in this league. I mean, Houston has arguably a similar roster, and they've won two already. Hmm. And it... I mean, it's such a tough situation because you look at it, you do, you go, okay, teams don't want to fire a coach too early. Arizona did it a couple of years ago. Yeah, they fired the coach and got rid of their rookie quarterback, and now look where mm. they are. Yeah, Steve Wilkes, one year. Freddie Kitchens got fired after a year. Um, the Browns have done it a couple of times. Rob Chudzinski, but um, uh, you know what are you? Gonna, I mean, to be fair to them, they should have won that Baltimore game. Remember because they didn't call them delay of game and that would have ended the game a 10 second runoff anyway you know Dustin kicks the field goal they don't win that one they were close against the Vikings and you know if um if their kicker hits from was it 40 yards out against Pittsburgh we're not having this conversation didn't and you know that's the thing you're a bad team you're not going to have a very good kicker normally I mean they had Matt Prater you know one of the best and they let him go in the offseason anyway uh so you'd fair to say Gordo another shambolic day in the Motor City on Thanksgiving that city seems to kind of um, have a, you know, a grasp hold of that day. They won't relinquish their hold on it, no matter how bad the team is it. Should the NFL intervene uh, and give it to a more watchable team? It's tough to say with that because they were the first ones to really mm. like implement the Thanksgiving games and they were the first one to really make it a tradition. But you got to think at some point, them, I think the Cowboys have lost what their last three, Detroit's lost their last five. At what point do you say, okay, traditions are good, but you want to get actually entertaining games on there instead. I mean, the Cowboys game day was entertaining, but the last couple of years haven't been in Detroit's haven't been for what half a decade now. 
So I don't know what the answer is, whether you do uh, share it around the league, but mm. I mean, some things you've got to keep traditions going. I'm honestly not sure which one I'm on here. Yeah, to be fair, I'm probably hard line on this. Number, yeah, 1934, first time the Bears hosted it. Um, I wouldn't be removing Dallas. I think give it to an AFC team and I'll probably get crucified for this, but Honestly, I'd look at giving it to someone like Kansas City. And I know the Chiefs are on national TV all the time, and it's very true. But when I look through an AFC, an AFC team that, well, number one, gets a large audience. Number two has, um, you know, a more traditional old stadium, one of the older teams in the league. Um, they have a quarterback and a coach that looks like they're going to be good and dominant for, you know, five or ten years at minimum. Um yeah, and, and you can have a top draw card game. You know, you could have Baltimore KC on Thanksgiving. Who wouldn't want to watch that? Or Buffalo Kansas City on thing. Who wouldn't want to watch that? Um, I don't want to tune in to watch, you know, a 14 to 16 game, whatever it was between Detroit and, you know, insert NFC uh, opponent here um, every year. And I know the Chiefs have seen it kind of the darlings, but um, that's the first team that came to mind when I thought of I did think certainly got to go to the AFC and they were the first team that came to mind. Um, you know, there are other good teams and consistent teams out there, Steelers, Patriots, so on. But yeah, that was just the team uh, who came to mind for me, I guess. Have you got any thoughts on that? Or you've just, you know, not even convinced that uh, Detroit should um, should lose it? I think I'd just share it around. Yeah. Let every team get a shot at it. Just go, I don't know whether it's by uh, you pick someone in the AFC North and the NFC North and rotate it through each year or something like that. But mm. give every team a chance to play it every couple of years. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's good for TV audiences and, and and so on. Okay, we'll move to the final game. It was Buffalo, New Orleans. They, I don't know if they ended up pushing back the game. We were all watching, obviously, overtime in Dallas. Um, as soon as the game finished, they panned over to New Orleans. And the first play was getting underway. It was a touchdown drive um, for Buffalo. And they got the ball the first time and they never looked back. 31-6. to six, um, And again, Gordo, what we're saying, after a disappointing loss, they have a bounce-back game. The question... For, uh, for Buffalo, and we'll get onto this game shortly, is they had a, a poor game against Jacksonville, a bounce-back blowout against the Jets, a poor game against Indianapolis. they got the bounce-back game here, but it's all in vain if they can't compete against the Patriots uh, on Monday night next week. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's going to be an incredible game. I mean, at least hopefully it will be. Um, you have to think that's it's not a battle for the division already, but it'll go a long way to deciding the division in terms of tiebreakers. You have to hope they're able to get up for that. Um, if they come out and do what we've seen to the last three weeks and put up a performance like they did against the Jags or the Colts, then you've got to seriously question them. But if they can play like this, then I think they're capable of beating just about anybody. When they're at their best, I think Buffalo is the best team in football. Yeah, pretty dominant today. Um, I, we'll talk about the Saints briefly. Um, five and two. Uh, they lose Jameis halfway through that game against the Bucks. Uh, Trevor Simeon comes in that game. Since then, uh, they've lost with a four in a row now. They lost badly in Philly last week, tight one in Tennessee, and then they lose today. 190 yards of offense. I don't know the stats, but I don't think Sean Payton, across his tenure in New Orleans, obviously had Breeze for a long time, um, would have had that little amount of offensive production, 3.3 yards per play. Gordo, without Kamara, um, really decent um, quarterback and missing offensive line pieces and Michael Thomas. Um, I guess we really can't be expecting that much production, can we, from this offense? No, I mean, uh, they lost Mark Ingram as well, who they traded mm. for. Did they trade or did they just sign him? Uh, who they brought in trade. for more help anyway. So, mm. yeah. Uh, how many yards did they have tonight? Was it one? 
190 total, 163 okay, of them from Simeon. That's the third worst in the Peyton era. Uh, the that worst right. was Dallas a couple of years ago and then Seattle in 2013. Yeah, so when we did that um, preview uh, prediction pod a couple of weeks ago and we we're talking about where we think the NFC teams sit, we didn't have the Saints in the upper echelon there, um, but we certainly had them as kind of, you know, a solid team would probably finish sixth or seventh and, and, you know, go back to the playoffs. This, is of course, is when that defense was firing, um, when Jameis Winston was playing well. Um, but I think you can point to that injury of Jameis halfway through that Bucks game um, and really think that's a turning point in their season. I really think, I, I mean... It's pretty obvious, but I think it's very unlikely they make the playoffs. You talked about Gordo. Uh, they've got that matchup with Dallas on Thursday Night Football next week, um, and they've got to play the Bucks again, um, you know, who won't be happy that they defeated them earlier on this season. Um, you know, they've got some easier games, you know, the Jets and so on. But um, do you think we can write the Saints off now? See, I want to say yes, but then again, I think we've said this a few times, the NFC, there's just – it's so wide open for that six and seven seed that – who knows, maybe they do what the Bears did last year and squeak in even with a losing record. It's possible. Um, they have a couple easy games, you'd think. Miami, potentially Carolina, who knows where that, they're at at that point, Atlanta. So there's some games there. Maybe you can give them three more wins. Eight, maybe nine wins could be enough to get into the playoffs. So they're a chance still, but you've got to think if Kamara doesn't come back soon, then they're in trouble. Indeed. Josh Allen, four touchdown passes against that Saints defense. Uh, sixth career game with four-plus touchdown passes. All have come in his last two seasons and none in his first two. Uh, and since that 2020 season, only Brady and Rodgers have more games with four touchdown passes. So when the when the Bills are firing, they do pile on the points on offense, 31-6. to six, um, And that's with not a large run game. We've talked about that. Allen using his legs is becoming more and more a part of this offense. Uh, and then, of course, he's got all those targets. Talk about Cole Beasley, Big Night Four, Stefan Diggs. Um, uh, it's a good offense, Gordo, but over the past month or so, we just haven't quite seen that consistency. And that's why, as you mentioned, that game against New England um, is really a barometer for how well they're going to play and how deep we think they can go in the playoffs because there's every chance they won't be hot when they come into a divisional round or, or a championship game. Yeah, and especially against the defense that's been playing as well as New England's as well. Uh, we'll see what this offense can really do. Um, you'd have to think if we get the New England defense we've had over the last month, that could be a very interesting matchup. Indeed. So Thanksgiving Day 2021, one good spectacle game, two blowouts, all three road teams winning. Um, but, you know, all the same, we get more football to talk about, and that's always a good thing. Okay, let's move to some news before we fire through the rest of the games. Um First one that broke, and I think we were all suspecting it, Gordo. We talked about it on our recap show after the Bucks defeated the Giants on Monday Night Football. Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator, um, relieved of his duties the following morning. Uh, that's the nice way of saying he was fired. Um, he felt that Joe Judge had had enough. He lost patience. I've been saying for weeks, Gordo, Garrett is the perfect sacrificial lamb. So Judge at least buys himself some time putting the problems on Garrett. They bring in uh, Freddie Kitchens, I believe, at the play caller. Um, it's worth mentioning that when Kitchens did take over play calling for the Browns in 2018, he went, they went five and three. And of course he got the head coaching job the following year, only asked a year um, with the Browns. But um, yeah, got to, I guess from the outset, we can say this is probably uh, a move that doesn't surprise very many people. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, I think we were all expecting it even from the start of the season, really. Uh, I think all you need to look at for how the Giants offense was going 
Uh, there was that video that was going around after their loss um, where the three wide receivers are all running their routes into each other in the middle of the field. Um, that just should not be happening in an NFL offense. Um, it just it, it felt like he was running the, uh, the offense that he was trying to run in Dallas, uh, what, five, ten years ago, and it just wasn't working in the modern game. So, yeah, something had to change. Uh, it be interesting to see how Daniel Jones goes with an interim coordinator. Um, hopefully, for his sake, he, he plays pretty well. Uh, you'd have to think he's got another year regardless, but you'd think if he doesn't perform through the rest of this year, they're bringing in a new OC, potentially a new coach. That could be an issue for him as well. Yeah, it's interesting, Garrett, because he was the, one of the hottest names in the head coaching market when he was an offensive coordinator. Tony Romo led Cowboys. This is kind of 2007, 8, 9 territory. They made the playoffs three years in a row. Then they have a horrible season in 2010. Wade Phillips is fired. He gets the head coaching job. And then since then, his whole shtick has been um, ineffective, unimaginative offensive play. And, you know, that's what we saw. 31st in points and yards a season to go to the Giants and 23rd and 25th this season. And you mentioned Daniel Jones, Gordo. I mean, that was the priority for Garrett when he, when he was hired. You know, forward steps, Daniel Jones, six overall, um, 20 touchdowns against 17 picks across the past year and a half, right? In the one year he had with Pat Shermer, he had a 24 to 12 ratio. So that's much worse in, in two seasons. Um, and for Garrett, you know, as I've said, three years ago, he was leading the Dallas Cowboys to a divisional playoff matchup against the Rams in LA. And now he doesn't have a job mid-season for the first time since 2004. Of course, long time involved with the Cowboys. He was a player before that. Um my question to you, Gordo, is does this make a difference? What does Joe Judge need to do to keep his job? Uh, probably, I mean, you'd have to think. Technically, they're still in the playoff race. That's the crazy yeah. thing here. They're not going to make it, but they're at, what, three wins right now? Three and seven, are they? What would you say? Uh, it's what, his second year in the job, but yeah, the past half, I think, was always going to be how Jones looked this year and we've seen the same issues that have plagued him through his first couple seasons. So it doesn't look like they've done enough to change that. I think it'll be seven wins, maybe win four of the last, what, uh, seven games, six, yeah, six games, then maybe you stay, but otherwise it's going to be difficult if it's not seven or eight wins, you'd have to think. Yeah. The bears, the 14 seed after Chicago overtook them with their win today. Uh, and we look at the run home, Philadelphia, I mean, I'm worried about that game being an Eagles fan because first game with a new coordinator, who knows what can happen. Then the Dolphins, Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, Washington. There's certainly room for wins there. Um, I mean, I'd be firing him regardless, to be honest. I haven't seen anything out of that culture. I mean, David Gettleman, I think, will be fired regardless of whether or not Joe Judge is kept. But um, more troubles there in the uh, Big Apple. Okay, let's move just a quick bit of scheduling, flexing news. Um, I think that's... Uh, an invention we like, Gordo, week 10 onwards in the NFL, Sunday night football games. Uh, of course, they're all decided at the start of the season, but you have the ability the league does to flex out a game and pick a game in the uh, early or late window on Sunday that they think would be better suited. They give a couple of weeks notice. And next week, so not this coming Monday, but the Monday after was due to be um, the San Francisco 49ers at the uh, Seahawks, which would have been a great game. I remember two seasons ago, there was that um, last play of the season, 100th season, which decided who was the one seed, I believe, and who was a wild card. And then the 49ers won that and went to the Super Bowl. This year would be the same spectacle. Of course, Seahawks three and seven. So the league had a choice. 
flexing the Broncos at the Chiefs. The Broncos five and five faltering. The Chiefs hitting their guns at seven and four. But we know how much the league likes Kansas City. Or an interesting matchup between the Chargers and the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. Obviously, we get to see Burrow and Herbert, two of the you know the the league's best young stars. Now they went with the Chiefs Broncos game, Gordon. My only explanation for this is, and you know I can't really blame them. This is they want more people watching, and you know there's bigger. Um, NFL fan bases in Denver and Kansas City um, than there is for the Chargers and the Bengals. Yeah, no, I mean, they get the chance to put Mahomes on prime time again, and they're always going to jump at that. Um, they're going to take a divisional matchup as well. Um, so you've got division rivals, you've got Mahomes, you've got, I mean, potential playoff implications there. It's, I know the Chargers-Bengals game is going to have playoff implications as well. It could almost end up being a better game considering what the Broncos or what we think the Broncos are. But the league's going to prioritise viewership as always. And you just know the Chargers fan base isn't massive. The Bengals aren't going to generate much national interest. So, yeah, they're going to go with the big names every time. Yeah, you must wonder if Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth get a bit bored during uh, Chiefs games. Um, of course, these two teams played on Sunday Night Football last week. Uh, this was a point where the, the uh, Broncos were really struggling, but I believe they made it made it into a game. It was quite close to the end. That one was also at Arrowhead. Uh, last bit of news and just touch on it briefly. Uh, took people by surprise. Everson Griffin played with the Vikings a long time, took some time off with mental health 2018, played with the Cowboys and the Lions last year, re-signed this year. Um, but... Uh, some disturbing images posted on social media of him holding a gun, um, rang the police, said a, a shot had been fired in his, in his Minneapolis house. Um, uh, in cooperation with law enforcement, the Vikings sent team representatives, mental health professionals to site, trying to coax him out of his home, refused to do so for many hours, eventually did come out of his home without incident. Uh, and according to the team, is now getting the care that he needs. So um, obviously... Wishing a happy and safe recovery for him. It looks doubtful that he'll play. We don't really know what the situation is. Uh, Mike Zimmer said when asked, it's not our concern right now. Um, but, you know, he's a big part of that defense. Um, and I think from memory, Dalvin Cook also might be questionable. So it's a big game for the Vikings. Um, obviously, Gordo coming off that massive win against you guys. But uh, obviously in this situation, the priority is, uh, you know, the mental health and well-being uh, of Griffin. Yeah, no, uh, football's a secondary priority right now. I just hope he does get the help and the care that he does need. Um, he's been a great player for a long time. Uh, I know he's, I think he was a captain in the Vikings locker room. I don't know if he still is. I know he once was, so he's a popular member of the team. I just hope uh, he gets the help he needs. Indeed, here, here. Okay, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the recaps from Thanksgiving, so we'll be doing a quick, a bit quicker run through of the games. Um, We'll start in the early window. My team is playing, so we'll quickly get to that one. Uh, Philadelphia, Gordo, on a bit of a run, three from four. They take on the Giants. We've just discussed how they have a new offensive play caller. Um, who do you like in this one? I mean, I want to say Philadelphia, but I'm all, I'm also wary of the fact that it does seem, like you mentioned earlier, teams that uh, fire a coordinator or a coach, they usually have that bounce back the next week. But I think the way Philadelphia's been playing, they're good enough to win this. Um, they've got that incentive that they're in the playoff race now, which I, a lot of people wouldn't have thought a few weeks ago, but this defense is playing pretty well. Um, the offense is getting going. So I think I've got to take Philadelphia here. Um, mm -hmm. I think it'll be pretty close. It's a divisional game. It's in New York, but yeah, Philly wins something like 26 to 20. 
Yeah, I mean, normally, as you know, pessimist in me, I didn't pick us for the first eight weeks. I wouldn't pick them again. But, um, yeah, I've got to show some confidence after what I've seen over the last three weeks, four weeks. The run game is going to be interesting because the, the New York defense is quite good at stopping the run. So interesting to see what happens there. I'll take Philadelphia. A bit high scoring. I'm not as confident in either defense. I'll say 34 to 30. Philadelphia get the win, but I think we can both agree it wouldn't surprise us at all if the Giants got the upset. Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth on the call for Fox there. Gordo had the first pick in the early window. You took, um, I guess you could say it's a bout of AFC heavyweights, the Tennessee Titans, who, you know, were looking very good and then dropped the unforgivable game to the Texans on the weekend. Your New England, Gordo, uh, on what is that, a five-game win streak from two and four to seven and four. They're at home. They've got a long break from Thursday night football. I'm hot on the Patriots. Are you? I think so. I mean, I had them as my, my one seed in the conference last week, and I, I think that's still going to stay the same. So I've got to take them here. They're at home. Tennessee, I mean, Julio Jones is out. Derek Henry's obviously out. AJ Brown didn't practice at all on Wednesday. Um, so that's their three big offensive pieces out. And without them, I think Tannehill really struggles. We saw that against Houston where he threw, what, three picks in the final quarter. So you'd have to think the Patriots, I mean, you look what Houston did to Tennessee, New England should be able to do similar, if not worse to them. So yeah, I've got to take New England here, I think by a pretty big margin. Um, I want to say something like 31 to 17. Um, Maybe the defense holds them to 10 or less, but I think we see a decent game from the Titans offense, but it's not enough to keep up with New England. Yeah, Bill Belichick obviously lost to Mike Vrabel's Titans in Tom Brady's final game um, with the Patriots, but he does have a regular season win over them. Not the, the greatest record, uh, 14 and 13 as a head coach when playing against his former assistants slash players. I do like him to get the win here. Um, I'd echo pretty much everything you've said, um, in particular Ryan Tannehill, concerned about the amount of turnovers and this Patriots secondary is one of the best in the league. Um, I'll go 24 to 13. New England gets the win. Iron Eagle and Charles Davis on the call there in Foxborough for CBS. Uh, with my first overall pick after my team's game, I took Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Gordo would say cross-conference matchup. And uh, I mean, I mentioned on our recap show, this kind of reminds me a, a bit of that Green Bay at Indianapolis game. Last. That real, real playoff energy, two teams in form. And this is the same. Tampa Bay finally got back on the winner's list. They dispatched of the Giants. And Indianapolis had the win of the season for me with that win in Buffalo. Um, I think this is going to be close. I, I think this is going to be very entertaining. And I think this is my first, I guess you could call it an upset pick of the week. I'm taking the Colts in overtime. I really like what they were doing. Um, I'll take them to win it 29-26. Yeah, I think this one's probably the toughest or one of the toughest ones of the week to pick. Um, Tampa has, I think, the best rushing defense in the league. Uh, yeah, they do. They've got, they've limited opponents to 784 yards. The next best is Baltimore at 886. So they've allowed 100 less yards than anyone else. Um, and they're going up against what is, at the moment, probably the best rushing attack in football, Jonathan Taylor. So, I think if Indy can get Taylor going, then that's going to open up the pass game as well and really let them go. But if the Bucks defense can really shut down Jonathan Taylor, they go a long way towards winning this. I think they do. Um, Buda Bayer, I think he's going to be back. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's questionable at the moment. So who knows if he's actually going to play. He probably will. Um, he was back at practice on a limited basis. So if he's back, they win this game. I think if he doesn't play... I'd probably shift towards Indianapolis, but I'm going to take Tampa uh, 27-24 right now. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I guess I, you could say I'm not fully on board with the Colts, but I've just got a feeling I'll take them. I would say that Carson Wentz only threw the ball 20 times a week ago for 160 yards. He's going to have to do more than that if they're going to win this game. I agree with you, uh, Vita Vea's been one of the more impressive defensive players this season so far. The Bucks are getting healthy. You talk about um, uh, Gronkowski gobbing back. I'm not sure what the Antonio Brown timeline looks like, but um, once they get him back, Gordo, that offense will, will look pretty complete. Uh, he didn't practice on Wednesday, neither did Mike Evans. So who knows what's going to happen there, but I think Gronk's uh, probably fine by now. Uh, he should be at least. Indeed, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olsen on that call from Indianapolis. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, Gordo. Um, big matchup this. I mentioned on our recap show, the Cincinnati have their chance to sweep Pittsburgh for the first time since 2009. Pittsburgh will be a bit dirty. They drew with the Lions and they got beaten um, by LA in a good matchup last Sunday night. They got embarrassed by Cincinnati. I think that was week three and that was when they were looking, starting to look a bit shaky and we started to write them off. They won four or five in a row. They've lost a couple now. Um, Cincinnati, on the other hand, had lost a couple, came up off the bye, got a big win in Las Vegas. This is a massive game. You talk about not only division, but in terms of AFC wildcard spots. Um, who do you favour? I think I'm going to miss Cincinnati here. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, their offence finally looked pretty good last week. Their defence is getting a couple of players back. TJ Watt should play. Minka Fitzpatrick should play. But even then, I think I like the Bengals more. Um, I can see Jamar Chase having a bit of a bounce-back game. He's been quieter than he was to start the season the last couple of weeks, but I think we see a real chance. Uh, the Pittsburgh game earlier on in the year was his real big breakout performance. I think we see a similar repeat here. Um, and Cincinnati at home probably comes away with the win here. Uh, I think it'll be close. The Steelers' defense is probably enough to keep it close. I just I still don't trust this offense. Yes, they put up a lot of points last week, but... I still don't think they're in that top tier or even that middle tier at the moment. So I'll take Cincinnati in a reasonably low scoring game, something like 20 to 17. Yeah, I'm thinking on similar lines. I've really tossed to it this one because Pittsburgh have a tendency for winning these tough. I mean, we saw them win in that tight game against Cleveland about a month ago. Mike Tomlin, whenever you start to ride his teams off, they tend to come back into it. I will take the, the, uh, the Bengals. 24-21, oh, uh, similar to you, tight margin, um, but wouldn't surprise me at all if the Steelers find a way to pull it off. Uh, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green on the call there for CBS. Okay, I took Carolina at Miami, Gorda, which I think could be one of the closer games of the week. Um, Carolina lost a tight game to Washington, but they're still in and around there for the NFC. They've been going win-loss, win-loss, win-loss recently, so they're due for a win. Miami, two on the trot. Um, and suddenly they're, you know, not out of contention after they got wins against Baltimore and New York. Um, do you think Miami can get three in a row? I don't think so. Uh, I like Carolina here. I mean, the thing is, I've been pretty high on Don, at least on two of the last few weeks. So I think he plays well again. But the Panthers defense probably uh, is a lot better, I think, than the Miami offense. And so I think it's going to come down to the other side of the ball, whether that Carolina offense can keep things going with Cam at quarterback. We saw them play, I think, reasonably well last week. But, of course, it was the first time all year pretty much that the defense fell apart. Uh, if they can get the offense and the defense both going in the same game, then I think they're a lock to win. Uh, I'm just not confident that that can happen. I'm still going to take them. Um, I think it'll be low scoring. Miami's defense has really stepped up recently, something like 17 to 14 uh, Carolina wins. Yeah, I'm 
I'm similar again. Close game. I don't have a lot of faith in either team. I think in overtime, the Pampers win at 23-17 to 17 and get back in the playoff picture. I think I agree with you. I mean, I'd love to trust the Carolina defense, but um, as I said, Taylor Heineke played very well against them last week. So, uh, And you mentioned how good Tua was. So, uh, you know, at the end, it comes down to which um, uh, quarterback I trust. Them. I've liked what I've seen. You know, CMC's there and cams there i think they do enough to get over the dolphins just uh down in miami so the weather could be a factor we saw how that inf- affected uh the ravens a couple of weeks back on thursday night football chris myers and daryl johnson on the call there for fox and gordo with your last pick you took the falcons at the jags it's would be fair to say not one of the more um attractive looking games of falcons three points in their last two games combined um and the jags uh, you know, they look good some weeks. They don't look so good. Trevor Lawrence, we say, um, quiet on the stat sheet recently, not turning the ball over, but not throwing for touchdowns. Um, can they get another win here, the Jags, and sneak one over the uh, – and steal one over the Falcons? I don't think so. Uh, I'm probably going to go with the Falcons here. Um, I just – I know they haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. They've put up, what, three points in eight quarters of football, but – I think they're getting Cordero Patterson back. He was limited in practice this week, which is an improvement on what he was last week. And he is so crucial to this offense. Uh, We've seen all year, uh, pass game, running game, pretty much everything he's contributing. If he plays, I think Atlanta's probably going to win this. Uh, We've seen Jacksonville's offense is not great. And I think that's putting it lightly. So Atlanta's just got to score, I think, 17 points and they probably win this. Uh, I think they do. I think they win fairly convincingly, uh, 24 to 14. Now, I, I think we might have each other's scripts for today because I pretty much got exactly the same thing today. Cordero Patterson, I don't want to watch the game if he's not playing. Um, he's one of the few good parts. I mean, Kyle Pitts, obviously. I feel bad for Matt Ryan when I watch this team. Uh, kind of just make you groan on the inside. I like the Falcons to win this game um, oh, 17 to 14, so not far away from what you've got. By a field goal, but again, would not surprise me uh, if the Jags got their third win of the season. Unbelievably, Gordo, if, if Atlanta get a win here, um, they're you know right back in it as you know bizarre. They're four and six at the moment, five and six. They'd be you know equal with someone like the Saints, and you know right in there fighting it out um, for a wild card spot. Okay, okay. The last game left over that no one took in the early window was the Jets at Houston. It's in a lot of good. Uh, I think goodwill and a lot of people predicting that the Texans can keep up their good form that they have had when Tyrod Taylor's behind uh, Santa Gordo. The defense stepped up massively last week. That's the win of the season for them. Um, the Jets, on the other hand, pretty darn disappointing, it's fair to say. I mean, Joe Flacco, you know, he's a stable quarterback and get you 250 yards and a couple of scores, but this defense is historically bad. Can the Houston Texans of all teams win back-to-back games? I think they will, considering that Zach Wilson's going to be starting at quarterback. Um, I mean, Flacco and Mike White, I'm pretty sure, were both put on the COVID list. So it's going to be Wilson, and I'm not sure who's backing him up. But what we've seen who's so left? far... This, yeah, I'm not I think... I can't remember who they signed. Um, but what we've seen so far from the Jets with Zach Wilson on the centre is not promising. So I think I've got to take Houston here. If this defence plays the way it did last week, uh, I mean, Tannehill played pretty poorly against them. So Wilson you'd have to say at the moment is a fair way below Tannehill. So I can see a similar performance from him. Uh, Houston wins this. I don't think it'll be convincing. I don't think it'll be entertaining, but they managed to do it uh, 21 to 10. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm semi-joking, but tell you what, David Culley, Coach of the Year, if they can get four or five wins, people were saying they go oh and bloody 17. But, um, you know, uh, I think a little bit of credit does have to go towards his coaching staff making the most with not very much. I can't believe people are suggesting they should be on the hot seat, but um, that's a discussion for another time. Spiroditas and Jay Feely on the call there for CBS. Okay, late window, your team on. Go to another. Your the Packers all over America's game of the week this season. This season, it'll be the Rams coming out of their bye and two really disappointing losses. Looking to get back on track, they travelled to um, the Packers, losing a tight game last week. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers' toes this week. Um, <laughs> who who gets a win and breaks their losing streak, Gordo? I'm not sure on this one. Uh, it's one of I think I said earlier the um, Colts one of the game. early games. The Colts game was the toughest to pick. I think this one rivals it. Um, you got the Packers at Lambeau, where they're undefeated this year, but all these injuries that they're facing at the moment. Uh, obviously, Bakhtiari is still out. They've lost Elton Jenkins for the year. Um, Rogers, as you mentioned, is dealing with that toe. But I think, funnily enough, uh, the second half against the Vikings is the best Rogers has played all year, even with that toe problem. That was the best he's looked since the. Uh, probably the divisional round last year. So the offense finally looked like we're starting to put some stuff together. Um, if they play like that again, then I think they can maybe take it up to LA, but I think the defense is the real focal point here. Um, they were embarrassed last week. I think it's the best way to put it. Leading up to that, they were one of the best in the league and then give up 34 points to the Vikings. I think there could be a bounce back here against the Rams offense, who's I think they've struggled themselves the last couple of weeks. We've seen them. Second, I guess, upset pick of the week. So I am taking the Rams. Um, 
I know Lambo's record at home. I know how good Aaron Rodgers looked in that second half. I watched that, but uh, I can't look past that protection issue. I mean, you said how much you trust the Rams. You can't deny this is probably one of, if not the best kind of front seven in football. Um, and um, not to mention the secondary, but front se- seven is important because of the, you mentioned Jenkins out, Bakhtiari not back in. Um, uh, and you're starting what, a couple of rookies already on that offensive line. Uh, they have been impressive so far, but you know, there's no test like Aaron Donald lining up on one side. Um, you've got Leonard Floyd who had a concussion. Looks like he should play. Um, uh, you know, brought across Von Miller. There's so many dangerous pieces, uh, and I, can't, I really can't see the Rams after going all in, losing three games in a row. Um, poor old Sean McVay. Not sure how he could handle it. Him and and Matt Lafleur, two of the younger, more stylish coaches in the league, who have been very impressive. Um, good friends, of course, with each other. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll be looking for personal brownie, uh, personal rivalry points to beat each other. But I'll take the Rams on the road in this one, re- re- avenging that 32 to 18 loss in the divisional round a series a season ago. Troy, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be on that call for Fox. Two games left in the late window. I took the Vikings at, at nine. Has got to be touched on this one when talking about Griffin. A sneaky good game. The Vikings, you know, kind of wrestled their way back to. Uh, 500. They did it the hard way with a win against the uh, the division rival uh, Packers at home. Now they travel to take on the 49ers, who um, you know I would say you're you were writing off, but we were all like I guess sort of writing them off. Um, and then they come out with that performance against the Rams. Excuse me, they win last week in Jacksonville. They're also five and five. And you know we know how important a tiebreaker is when it comes to playoff seating, Gordo. If two teams are tied, not three, but if two are tied. Um, the importance of this game can't be overstated. Uh, who are you going to go for? See, I think this is two of the teams that have uh, confused me the most this year. Mm-hmm. I tip them, they lose. I don't, they win. Um, are you going to win one way or the other way? <laughs> I'm almost rooting for a tie here. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to go with San Francisco. Um, I, their last few weeks, I think, have been slightly more impressive than Minnesota's. Um, I, I like what Minnesota did, especially last week. That offense was really impressive. But I think I just trust San Francisco's defense more. This pass rush, I think a big reason why Minnesota won last week. Kirk Cousins had so much time in the pocket mm. because of those injuries in the Packers pass rush. But now going up against someone like Nick Bosa and that 49ers D-line in general, I don't think he's going to give that, they'll get that same amount of time. Uh, they'll struggle to establish the run again, I think, against that defensive front. So... I think it'll be a tougher day for Minnesota. I think San Francisco wins this. Jimmy G's been playing really well lately. Uh, Kittle's playing well. Debo Samuel's at an all-pro level. So I think I'm going to go 49ers in a close one, um, 30-27. Yeah, I mean, the smart pick is the Niners, but I've got a 13-game lead or something, so I'm not, not here to make a so I'm going to. I'm a bit of a sucker. I'm falling for Mike Zimmer. Uh, and Kirk Cousins. I mean, we talked about Kirk Cousins' statistics um, for the season last week. I think it's something like 21 or 22. Yeah, 21 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio. Um, it does feel that every time they put it back together and they do the hard yards to get the wins, they drop a game. And, and you know, they, they may well drop this game. But um, I don't know. I, 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 this is more a tip that I want them to win probably more than I think they will win. But um, I'll take them in a tight one, 27-24. But I think you were talking about coin flip games earlier with the Colts and the Bucks and the Packers and the Rams. I think this fits in that category. Um, a real tight one, massive playoff implications. It's on Fox, Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma on the call in the Bay Area. Last game in the late window, the Chargers at Denver, divisional matchup. Um, 
you know, they're always important. You talked about how they're always um, close quarter. The, the Broncos won this corresponding matchup a season ago when Drew Locke was at quarterback, um, last second touchdown pass. The Chargers coming in, having got that win over the Steelers, that was important. They're back in the playoff race quarter. They really can't afford to be dropping a game like this on the road in Denver. Uh, no, they definitely can't. Uh, I don't think they will. Um, I think last week was their real get-right game. We saw them open up the offense a bit more. Um, those deep passes to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were back. But I think there is reason to be worried about their defense. Um, it's not great at the moment. Um, they're ranked pretty well, actually. They're, tw- they're 12th overall in defense. But, I mean, just looking at it, they don't pass the eye test right now. Um they're reasonably healthy, so it's not like that's the problem. They're just not getting it all together. They let Ben Roethlisberger to throw for almost a perfect game last week. So I think they're probably still enough to win games. Uh, they're enough to help the offense win games, at least. Uh, Denver, I don't trust at all, even if they aren't 500. So I've got to go with LA here. I think they win this pretty easily, 30-20. Uh, yeah, I mean, you think about last time Denver played, they had the very Impressive performance against Dallas, and they returned home and they got whooped by Philadelphia, thirty to thirteen. Um, coming off the bye, I think Vic Fangio is still in a bit of trouble if they don't make the playoffs. We've talked about the um, quarterback uh, situation; they're probably going to look out for someone like a Wilson or like a Rogers if they're free in the off season. Uh, injuries wise, coming off the draft, they are uh, the draft, the bye. They are quite healthy. Bradley Chubb, inside linebacker, been on IR, could be back. Um, slated to make his return possibly this weekend. So that would be a plus. But um, I agree with you. I don't have much trust in them. I just, there's nothing that excites me about this Denver team at the moment, aside from that receiving core. But when you've got a quarterback, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, uh, it's a common critique, but he's not really one for, I mean, aside from that Dallas game, he's not who I would pick if I wanted a quarterback to utilize deep threat talents. Um on the other hand, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams looking better, uh, Ken Allen looking really good, uh, Austin Eckler. I mean, Loki, I think he should be a candidate for Offensive Player of the Year, but never seems to get any hype from the national media. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Gordo. I like uh, easily the Chargers, 34-17, to 17, and they continue their push um, towards the playoffs. That is my lock in this game. I'm taking the Chargers um, over the Broncos. It's the last time I'll be able to tip against the Broncos, as I took the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. I've not taken the charges, so that'll be my lock, Gordo. I am six of five. You are nine and two. So I've got a lot of ground to make up. Um, have you done your lock, by the way? Uh, yeah, I meant to mention it earlier. I'm taking the Eagles over the Giants. Um, oh, the curse. <laughs> At least it's not me taking them, though, so they'll probably get up because you're, you're pretty good with the locks. Okie dokie. Noted, Gordo has Philadelphia, and I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers. Okie dokie. A couple of primetime games to finish it off. Probably, you know, not what we were expecting entering the season. Cleveland and Baltimore, who many thought would be fighting it out, Gordo for the AFC North on Sunday night football. Cleveland faltered last couple of, well, last kind of all season, really, to be honest. They've been faltering. They beat the bad teams, not so good against the contenders. Um, they barely passed the Lions last week, whereas Baltimore barely passed the Bears. So, not the best of performances for either. Baltimore uh, losing the week before to the Dolphins, both, I think both of these teams are going to are looking for a game where they regain form, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Lamar Jackson, you have to think we'll be back, of course, missed last week's game with uh, illness. Tyler Huntley started. Um, presuming he does start and back. Do you like the Baltimore Ravens at home in this one? I think I have to. Um, the Browns, I don't know what's going on with them at the moment. Baker's out with a shoulder problem, a foot problem, and it says here as well a groin problem. 
So he's got all these injury issues going on and it seems like he's going to keep playing. That's the thing. If they were to start Keenum, then maybe they have a better chance here, but he seems to want to keep playing. Uh, they keep playing him and I think that's really hurting them mm. at the moment. Uh, so I've got to take Baltimore here. Uh, Hollywood Brown should be back. Lamar should be back. I think they're going to be, I mean, as healthy as they can be at the moment. They're missing almost their entire secondary, but even without, I think Baltimore probably wins this. Uh, they're at home, uh, big prime time matchup, and you see them win, uh, take that extra, uh, what, they're a game ahead at Cleveland at the moment, they take that two-game lead. Yeah, I. It's, it's really tough, because when you think of the AFC, you think of the Titans, you think of the Bills, you think of the Chiefs, for some reason, the Ravens kind of go to the right. They were the best team in football regular season was a couple of years ago. Last year, they made it to the divisional round. Um, I think they're absolutely, I mean, I'd almost have them in my AFC championship at this stage. Um, obviously, that d- disappointing game uh, against Miami, but, you know, it's a one-off. When they have Lamar Jackson, he's still one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the league. You talk about him coming back. This defense, that is a concern. We talked about Wink Martindale. He's aggressive and man coverage style hasn't has backfired uh, on a few occasions this season, but I absolutely trust them more than I do Cleveland. They irritate me to watch. You talked about Baker Mayfield. I think the team doctors need to make a stand and say, you're not playing. Um, He'll say, well, we're competing for a playoff spot. Well, I don't think you're going anywhere if you make the playoffs, Cleveland, to be frank. Um, So, yeah, I agree with you. Comfortable win, I think, for John Harbour. He's very good in divisional uh, games. 28 to 16. I like the Ravens at home, Gordo. And look out, they certainly you'd have to think in the mix for the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, no, you'd have to think so. The only thing that worries me with them, uh, you look at point differentials in the AFC, you've got Buffalo at 144, New England at 123, uh, Cincinnati at 52, uh, Indy at 64, the Ravens are at 17. So they've been winning these really tight games. At some point, that's probably going to come back to bite them. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a fair point, but... Um... Yeah, well, that doesn't count as a stat, I guess is what I would say. But yeah, you're true. Then again, Buffalo, who's been blowing out all these bad teams when it comes to the good teams they're not having such such a good performance but i do take that point um we're both going with the ravens in that one okay the the week kicks off uh, the week concludes excuse me two division winners from a season ago the nfc west seattle seahawks and the nfc east washington football team not quite where they'd like to be in the standings at this stage um, of the season we'll start with the Football team had their two best weeks of the season, it's fair to say. Gordo beating up on the Bucks and then defeating the Panthers in a close one. They're now four and six, and again, unbelievably, only a game outside in the NFC. Seahawks, three and seven. Uh, you know, fair enough, we gave them a pass when they didn't have Wilson, but um, really poor in the last two weeks, particularly on offense. Just as their defense is getting a little bit better, the offense lets them down. Um, there's a lot of criticism coming Pete Carroll's way. They think either Carroll or you've talked about, certainly you don't think Carroll... And Wilson will still be there, you know, most likely next season. Who writes, do, do Seattle write the ship or does Washington, you know, keep on their um, run of form going? I'm not sure. I mean, I think every week we've sort of been expecting that bounce back from Seattle and saying, okay, yeah, this can't be a long-term thing. It's just a short-term, they'll get better. And they haven't. And at this point, we're 10 weeks in, 11 weeks in, and they're still the 15th seed. Um, yeah, they're three games ahead of Detroit, but they're looking like one of the worst teams in football right now. And I don't care how much you can say, okay, they've got Russell Wilson, they're always a chance. Right now, he's playing terribly. Uh, we've seen Washington's defense get better. The last couple of weeks, I know they gave up 21 against the Panthers, but even then they did enough to hold on to win. Uh, they had that drive, well, 
they managed to keep the Bucks off the field reasonably well. So I think I've got to take Washington here. Um, they're playing pretty well. The offense last week looked really good with Heineke. Uh, they're on a high. They're on that two-game win streak. I think they continue that. They can see potentially that seven seed uh, get on a roll like they did last year through the second half of the year. And yeah, this is well, not the start of it. It started a couple of weeks ago, but they continue along their winning ways. Uh, Washington wins 27 to 17. Yeah, Washington defense, very impressive in that Carolina game. Went back and, and watched parts of that. I am one of those suckers that you were describing who says that, well, at least as long as they have Russell Wilson, they've got a chance. I'm taking the Seahawks with very little confidence. But um, I, as I say, I'm probably just a sucker. This is a team for so long who's, you know, had a winning record and been in the playoffs, and it just doesn't make any sense what we're seeing. Um, I mean, everything points towards Washington winning this game. We talked about Heineke, how well he's been playing. The defense, strangely enough, has been much better without Chase Young than it was with him. Um, they're looking more like the team we saw last season, uh, especially on the defensive side. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, as I say, may as well take the Seahawks, maybe get a little upset win there. I guess it is considered an upset. I believe Washington are favorites. Uh, I'd have to check that. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Washington. Uh, sorry, Seattle 27-21. So, Gordo... I believe we are splitting on Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, uh, on LA and the Rams, and on that Seattle-Washington game. So not quite in locks at this week. Um, and Gordo has the Eagles uh, as the lock, and I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Okie dokie, Gordo. Look, well, looking forward to another, what are we, this is week 12 coming up. So after this weekend, we'll be two-thirds of the way through the season. But it doesn't quite appear yet that, as though we're getting a clearer picture, but I'm sure that will come uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, no, hopefully. Uh, although, I mean, I think it feels like we're going to be in week 18 and there's still going to be, what, six teams maybe fighting for each wildcard spot. Yeah, and for the NFL, that's what they love. You know, if you have five games going simultaneously, we all remember that bill when the Bills were getting into the playoffs in 2017. Excuse me, and Andy Dalton um, passed to Tyler Boyd, I believe, was about 30 yard touchdown, which knocked the Ravens out. Great television. That's what NFL Red Zone's made for. Um, but yes, we'll be back next week. Recap show, and then our season extravaganza. We'll take a look at our power rankings. We'll get working on them after the games on the weekend. Um, so confusing. I wonder if we'll come up with similar results. We'll be uh, revisiting our predictions, so playoffs and Super Bowl and also individual awards, looking ahead at some games, bowl predictions and so on. Uh, Gordo, but I'll see you now on Tuesday for our recap. Yep, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Indeed it has. And as always, links to our blogs in the description, links to the Twitter in the description. And thanks again for the music. Songs for fun, I'll link to that in the description. Uh, until Tuesday, bye-bye.